You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the G Family Performance Center in Edmond, Oklahoma, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G, a.k.a. the Fat Hatter, saying thank you so much for making us a part of your weekend. And we are podcasting right after a very disappointing Oklahoma City Thunder loss to the Chicago Bulls. 114-112, your final score. Paul George had an open look from three to win the game, just like he did the other night against the Brooklyn Nets. Didn't go in. And we'll talk about this defensive effort or lack thereof from the Oklahoma City Thunder coming up in the first segment. We'll also talk about Russell Westbrook getting his 109th triple-double, which, again, puts him a little bit closer to Magic. I think it's 29 now before Russell Westbrook would pass Magic Johnson, and I am beginning to believe that that is going to happen before the end of this season. But there's something a little different about Russell Westbrook's triple-doubles this year that I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about that definitely deserves notice, and we'll give it notice on this podcast, and hopefully you'll get a lot of other people that'll start noticing what Russell Westbrook is doing. Coming up in segment number two, we'll talk about Rudy Gobert. Um, Yeah, the Thunder have a huge week ahead of them, so we'll talk about that as well. Thunder got a big week ahead of them this week with three Western Conference opponents, but I don't know if you saw Rudy Gobert get tossed from the game against the Houston Rockets, but everything that Paul George is saying about the referees seems to get credence by Rudy Gobert's action and how he reacted to the way that the refs were calling fouls on him. And um, it certainly seems like he was targeted because he was critical of the refs and they made it known that they weren't going to take his crap. And then finally, We will wrap things up today talking about um, Kevin Durant coming back to Oklahoma City. I will try and put a new spin on this. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because Antonio Daniels brought it up on SiriusXM Radio. Also, in, in the vein of being cliche and wanting to be a part of the conversation, was watching First Take today, and Allen Iverson, I think yesterday, gave his all-time starting five which he had himself starting at point guard. I have no problem with that. Then Stephen A. Smith gave his, and Max Kellerman gave his. So I'm going to give my starting five only. The stipulation I'm going to put on it, it has to be guys that I have seen play in the last five years. So it's all guys that I've had an opportunity to cover who would be my starting five of just guys that I've covered. So yes, um, Kobe Bryant could be in it. He, he could be because I have had an opportunity to see Kobe, but obviously no Michael, no Magic uh, going to be in it. Um, I don't know. There may be a LeBron James. <laughs> Go figure. So that is coming up today on the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I also work for News Radio 1000 KTOK. I do sports for them, and I've covered the Oklahoma City Thunder now going into my sixth year. And if you like what you hear, I would ask that you would go to LockedOnThunder.com. And um, if you like LockedOnThunder.com, then you'll love LockedOnPodcast.com, and you will be able to get all the Locked On Podcasts there from the Locked On Podcast Network. And as we like to say, we are your team every day. 
The only thing that's keeping me from going off tonight about the Oklahoma City Thunder's defensive performance is the fact that there is a huge week ahead of them where you've got Utah, the Pels, and then you wrap things up with Denver. So there's opportunity to make up ground. Also, considering the fact that it is the last game of a three-game road trip and the defense wasn't really that good against the, the Nets the other night, save for the fourth quarter, tells me that this team is in a defensive funk. And it's also such a long season that I always got really irritated when I worked with guys and they would just they would go off after one game. But tonight was a poor effort. The game against the Nets was a poor effort. And the defense that we had really gotten used to seeing the Oklahoma City Thunder play over these last few games was non-existent for the exception of spots. And going in... To the last two games that they played, the Thunder have been really good at defending the three. They were one of the best in the NBA. In fact, I believe they were top three in the NBA, if I can remember the last podcast. And both the Nets and the Bulls had extraordinary success from three, and that is completely unacceptable. And I could sit here and just completely berate the Oklahoma City Thunder um, but depending on when you're listening to this podcast, you may be calmed down and you may not want to hear somebody berate him. And believe me, this is something that Billy Donovan is going to stress. And I'm sure in tonight's press conference, it was one of the first things that he said because it's become his go-to. We didn't defend the three very well. Well, tonight you didn't. And what really sucked about tonight's performance is that the Thunder get that double-digit lead at the end of the third quarter and then they just relaxed. They just, they relaxed. They, they were playing it like it was the end of a three-game road trip. And I'm just not used to seeing this team get this lackadaisical and not give effort. And you had both of those come into play tonight. And that's something that can easily be corrected. And probably the thing to correct it, at least what you would hope the medicine to correct it is, flight home, getting back in Oklahoma City, having a couple of days to sleep in your own bed, and then the team that knocked you out of the playoffs last year waiting for you on Monday. You would think that that would, that would put a little bit more fire under their butts. And I'll give the, where I will give the Thunder credit for both the Nets game, which they won, which was really on the shoulders of Paul George, who played tremendous on both ends of the floor, and then the game that they lost tonight is after that after that performance in the first quarter against the Chicago Bulls, or actually the entire first half where they give up 70 freaking points, they come back and hold the Bulls to 17 in the third quarter. And that's what I thought would happen. The Thunder have been tremendous in the third quarter, and I didn't think that they were going to let that effort stand. But what was shocking to me is that you just weren't able to carry that momentum over. And I don't know if it was fatigue or lack of want to, or just not taking an opponent serious enough, uh, especially a Bulls team who lost seven in a row and we're, and we're looking for any sort of any, anything to feel good about themselves, well, you gave it to them. You, you gave them that opportunity. And guys like Justin Holiday end up having um, a really good game tonight or at least hitting a, a key shot down the stretch, um, a shot that probably should have been a little bit better defended, and yeah, you just look at the rest of the Chicago Bulls tonight, man. And I just pull up, sit here, pull up the bark score. I Markinen had a really good game tonight. Markinen was freaking incredible 
uh, tonight, going 24 and 7, 8 of 12 from the floor. <sighs> Four of eight from beyond the arc tonight. Really, the Bulls as a whole shot 60% in the first half. And I get it that sometimes you're going to get teams that shoot hot, but tonight was almost like the Thunder had reverted back to the way they were playing defense at the beginning of the year, which is you were just getting lucky from teams missing open shots because you were giving them looks. Well, you gave the the Bulls looks tonight, and they ended up ultimately converting on it. And um, I'm sure Billy Donovan will figure out a way to get that corrected. At least you hope he gets it corrected by the time that the Jazz roll into town on Monday night. Russell Westbrook gets his 109th triple-double tonight. And... Um, you know, Russell Westbrook, now back-to-back triple-doubles on this season. And there's a couple of things to really unpack and talk about here. First of all, tonight, monster triple-double. 24-13 and 17, 9 of 21 uh, from the floor tonight. And uh, hey, for Russ, I think 2 of 6 from beyond the arc is not too bad, although I'm not real crazy about the 6. 2 of 4, 2 of 4 I could have I could have lived with, but... I, the thing about Russ and his triple-doubles, and please remember, Steven Adams had a double-double tonight. Ru the big criticism about Russell Westbrook, whenever he got a triple-double, especially the last couple of years, it was about it, it was always to the detriment of his team. He is a stat patter. He is looking for the triple-double. He's not a guy that cares about winning championships. He's only about it. He only cares about the individual awards and the accolades, etc. Okay, complete nonsense. And it's time to stop that narrative because if you've seen the way that Russ has played, especially since he had that one night where he took 12, <laughs> where he ended up taking 12 threes and ended up going and ended up going into the tank and having to have that shooting session, Russ is a guy that's doing an excellent job of distributing the basketball. I don't think there's any question that Russ cares about his teammates. I don't think there's any question that Russ cares about winning. And on was it what is it? What are we now? Wednesday night? Wednesday night. Did was anybody happier for Paul George and what he accomplished than Russell Westbrook? The after the game celebration certainly would tell you no, that there's not. Russell Westbrook isn't selfish. That The, the triple-doubles that he has had the last couple of nights aren't selfish triple-doubles, and you have other guys on this team succeeding. And, and Russ isn't doing anything to damage. Steven Adams, 21 tonight. Paul George, 19. I, I don't want to hear it anymore. Uh, the bench was garbage tonight. Um, for the Yeah, the bench was just absolute hot garbage tonight, but I don't want to hear it anymore. That, that Russell Westbrook only cares about stats. You don't have to look any further than these, these last couple of games where he's got these triple-doubles to tell that he is the consummate team player. And for those that still want to knock him and still criticize him, I would just say that you're only, at this point now, you really are only looking at the box score. You may have watched a few games when Russ had his historic years of averaging a triple-double. You may have caught a few. And you may have heard what Carmelo Anthony said, and you may have taken it out of context, but if you're still criticizing Russell Westbrook, Colin Cowherd, then you really are just looking at, at, at the box scores, and you're essentially just playing the same record over and over again because you don't have anything new to say about it because you really don't understand what's going on here 
in Oklahoma City. Okay, there's my soapbox. I'm off of it. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up next, we'll talk about the big week ahead for Oklahoma City and why Rudy Gobert's temper tantrum gives some credence to what one Paul George has to say. It's all right here on Locked on Thunder. This is the weekend episode of the Locked on Thunder podcast. And if you're a fan of Locked on Sooners, we'll be dropping another episode of that coming up tomorrow, shortly after OU's game with Wichita State. I wanted to watch that game before I fit in another podcast. So we will get to that. Plus, we'll also kind of lead you up to Kyler Murray and the Heisman Trophy and also watch Sooner Maven if you're interested in OU content and we'll talk more about Kyler Murray and the, and the Heisman Trophy there. But um, yeah, we'll drop that coming up tomorrow after OU plays Wichita State out at the peak. This is Locked On Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which can be heard at LockedOnPodcast.com, LockedOnThunder.com, Google, Stitcher, Alexa, and Spotify. And also, I think Pandora now is going to start um, carrying the Locked On Podcast stuff. So thank you very much. Uh, for listening to uh, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Huge week coming up now for Oklahoma City. And you may think, hey, well, it's early December. What's so big about this week? Two of the teams Oklahoma City's playing um, right now at the season end would not be in the playoffs. Aha! However, looking at the standings with the, with the Thunder right now, real quick, just where the Thunder are in the standings right now, they are tied for second. Still tied for second, although I guess they would have the third seed uh, right behind the 16-8 and eight Los Angeles Clippers. Thunder and Clippers, incidentally, have the exact same record, and they're both still just a half game behind the Denver Nuggets. But you look at the Jazz and the Pelicans, you're saying, well, those teams aren't even in the playoffs right now. Still, they're respectively a half game and a game out of the playoffs in a logjam Western Conference where you really can't expect, I wouldn't think you can expect the Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings to, to stay in the playoffs. And Utah and New Orleans become interesting because at some point you would think they're going to be fighting it out with Houston, um, but that remains to be seen at a later date. But this is an opportunity for you to send a message. Because this conference is going to be log jam all year long. And now you get a, you get an opportunity to send a message to both these teams that you may see in the playoffs, especially Utah, that you're much better than they are right now and will probably be much better than they are later in the year. And you, you can kind of sort of get in their head. But more importantly, it's that one or two games that may make a difference where you are in the standings in this conference and anytime you got an opportunity to go take down a conference foe, you have to do that. That's why this game with the Bulls was so disappointing because the Thunder had an opportunity to go 3-0 and on this road trip. And they should have gone 3-0 and on this road trip. You beat your toughest opponent on Monday when you knocked off the Detroit Pistons. You had an incredible comeback 
against the Brooklyn Nets. And then you were served up that third one on a plate with a Bulls team who had lost seven games in a row and you just couldn't take advantage of it. And what I want to see out of the Thunder next week, look, this team knows how to close. There is definitely killer instinct within the Oklahoma City Thunder. What I don't want to see next week is if they get on top of the Jazz or they get on top of the Pels. Not really worried about it with the Nuggets since they've already lost to the Nuggets once this year and, 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 and that creates some some healthy fear, but I want to see them get on top of these guys and and go step on their throat the way that they didn't do it tonight. I'd also prefer that they play a full 48 minutes because we haven't seen that in a couple of games. Uh, We haven't even seen them. I don't even think we've seen them give 46 minutes of effort in the last couple of games and 46 minutes worth worth of effort should be enough to beat both the Brooklyn Nets and the Chicago Bulls. And then it's just... It's absolutely, it's maddening. This this may be the most irritating loss that the Oklahoma City Thunder have had all season long. This one just bothers me. I can swallow uh, the couple of losses to the Kings because they have turned out better than than what we expected, but but not the Chicago Bulls who have already made a coaching change. Rudy Gobert gets tossed from a game against the Houston Rockets, gets tossed early on. I don't think the guy even got to play the full first quarter. And a lot of that, the reason that happened, and if you watch the highlights, the reason it happened, it certainly looks like targeting by the refs because Rudy Gobert was critical of the way that the referees had been had been officiating him and some of the other players in the NBA. And it felt, it felt like the refs decided, all right, you want to criticize us, let us show you what we can do if that's the road that you want to go down. And they made an example out of Rudy Gobert, which is garbage, but that's exactly what they did. And Paul George is a guy who's been critical of the refs this year and feels like he's targeted. Well, you only have to take a look at that very small sample size to realize that Paul George's argument holds water. And it's not just for Paul George, and it's not just for Rudy Gobert. There are other players in the NBA who should be able to take that film, go to the union, go complain to their coaches, their front offices, or whoever, and say, look, this is how these guys are officiating it, and they take this way too personal. Now, the thing you have to remember here, though, is that refs are human. And criticism hurts them just as much as it hurts anyone else. And when you've got the opportunity to kind of throw it back in someone's face, some guys are because they're just not big enough or tough enough to let things bounce off their skin. And that's something that I can identify with. I'm one of those guys that if I got a chance to to stick it to someone that I thought really did me wrong, I take advantage of that. That's a flaw. It's a major flaw that I have in my life, but it... for the rest to have just illustrated it so plainly against Rudy Gobert, the great thing is, is next time PG or any of these other players speak out, I think you got some media members that will take them a lot more seriously than maybe what they did. And 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 I think fans will too. Even opposing fans may, may take you more seriously based on what you saw the other night. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. We will close things out in this next segment, and I will give you my starting five. Now, the stipulation is is that these are guys that I've seen, that, that I have seen, like I've actually seen 
covered. Some of them I've had the opportunity to talk to. As a matter of fact, all of them I've had the opportunity to talk to. So that's coming up next. Who is my all-time starting five? We'll tell you on Locked on Thunder. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. Thank you for joining us this weekend. Hope you are having a fantastic one. And if you're listening to us outside of the state of Oklahoma, hey, I think we made it through the worst weather that we're going to get. We are not going to get that much bad weather over the weekend. It was supposed to be icy and cold and possibly snow. Not going to happen. So that lets you know what's going on in our world. I thought we were going to be hunkered down for uh, Snowmageddon, and then I was going to suggest that uh, all weekend long you just listen to a a bunch of Locked on Thunder podcasts. I'm still going to suggest that you listen to a lot of Locked on Thunder podcasts and and the Locked on Sooner podcast as well, and uh, both of those can be found on the Locked on Podcast Network at LockedOnPodcast.com, your team every day. Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, and Allen Iverson each gave their all-time starting five uh, over the last couple of days on first take. And I can't remember who Allen Iverson's was, but I want to say he put himself as the starting point guard. And when you're a Hall of Famer like he is, you you should put yourself in, in the starting five. If you have been as good as he is, whether you are the best point guard to have ever played in the NBA or not, and he's not, that's Magic Johnson, but um, then you, but you should put yourself over Magic and, and other guys. So I didn't have a problem with that. I can't remember who else he put in. And if I was going to do an all-time starting five, um, I got like three Lakers on my starting five. I've got Magic, Kobe, uh, Kareem. I've got LeBron at the four. The three I kind of struggled with. I I, I kind of struggled with who to put at the three. Um, and part of me wanted to put in Dirk Nowitzki, but I, I didn't. Um, but that's just it. So my starting, my all-time starting five is incomplete. But now, like I wanted to do this as well, okay? <laughs> and I thought, well, you're really starting five. It's pretty cliche. And even what I'm doing here is kind of cliche. But this is the starting five guys that I have covered, guys that I have seen over the past six years in covering the NBA uh, and, and doing the whole Locked on Thunder thing and, and some other stuff as well. So here we go. Here's my starting five. Uh, your point guard shouldn't be any surprise. It's going to be Russell Westbrook. But when you average a triple-double in back-to-back years, you're an MVP. Um, and I had a guy today want to make the argument that, that Steph is better. And look, you want to say Steph is better and, and maybe Steph is better, that's fine. And I'm not saying that Steph isn't a great player, but Russell Westbrook is my starting point guard at two guard. Okay, this is where things start to get um, a little hazy for me at two guard, and I would, I would probably put Clay Thompson at two. Um, I think you could. There's a few guys you could make a case for, but Clay Thompson, as much as I cannot stand the Golden State Warriors. Um, I would be not being completely honest with you, but I would have Russ at one, Clay at two. Which brings me to three. And three was tough because I could say Kevin Durant, and 
I would not be lying to you. I could hold Kevin Durant out just because I'm still pissed off at him. And I just for full disclosure, I'm going to. At three, I'm going to put Giannis and Tenenkupo. And that's going to be my that's going to be my guy at three, um, simply because I think athletically he is better than Kevin Durant, and eventually he's going to eclipse Kevin Durant as the better player. And I think you just look at at his skill set, and with so many positionless guys you've got in the NBA, I went back and forth with it. I didn't necessarily want to leave KD off because he is one of the five best players, maybe one of the three best players I've ever seen. Um, but simply it just came down to Giannis being Giannis. And also, I can't stand KD. So there. Yeah, there's some bias completely came into it. So at one, it's Russ. At two, it's Clay Thompson. Ah. And uh, three, uh, Giannis. Four, LeBron James. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, uh, there's no way I was going to leave LeBron off. And I could have put Kobe on the list, but the only time I I think, if I'm not mistaken, the only time I got to see Kobe play was his last, second to last performance when he was in Oklahoma City. Got to ask him the last question, too. It's maybe the highlight of my career, getting to ask Kobe Bryant the last question he'll ever be asked in Oklahoma City. Um, but I couldn't do it. Couldn't justify uh, putting Kobe on because he was so at the tail end of his career. Um, so I, I had to leave him off. But five came down to two guys. Um, and they were teammates last year. They're not teammates so much anymore. It was either Boogie Cousins or it was going to be Anthony Davis. And um, I really like Boogie. Love, love, love Boogie. Um, because... Not only is he a guy I, th- I think has taken an, an awful beating, but he's definitely made his game grow. And the fact that he can stretch it out from uh, beyond the arc now is just utterly incredible. But I got to go Anthony Davis, uh, the more versatile of the two players and a guy who's a definite MVP candidate. Um, so there it is. That's my st- that's my starting five. And sorry, Kevin Durant, you may be the real MVP but you're not in my starting five. It's Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. Those are my guys. Those are my guys. And yeah, I'm pretty sure had Kevin Durant stayed with the Thunder, he'd be in there. But I, I just can't do it. Consciously can't do it. Although he probably, although he is one of the best two players that I've seen during my time in the NBA. Uh, this is the Locked On Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. That wraps things up. Hope you enjoyed listening to this. And uh, we will be back on Monday as we get set for the Utah Jazz, which means I need to be hearing from the Jazz fans this week at Locked on Thunder. I know you are out there, and we all like to converse with each other, talk with each other, and the the sensible Jazz fans and the sensible Thunder fans have come together and went, all right, we got to root for each other. Two medium markets got to stick together. Uh, We may not like you for 48 minutes, but other than that, we got to root for the Utah Jazz. I'm very excited about seeing Donovan Mitchell. Oh, and yeah, the boss will be in town. So I might want to say hi to him if I get that opportunity on Monday. So do me a favor, listen on Monday, and all the Jazz fans, contact us, especially those of you that have been regular listeners. And until Monday, I wish you that God will bless you and your family. I wish you the best. God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody, as Jackie Moon would say. And, of course, peace, love, and thunder up. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.